This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. You can hear us live on Joy 94.9 Saturday afternoon from noon via the live stream at joy.org.au forward slash listen live or tune your wireless in Melbourne to 94.9 FM. Afternoon, this is Techno Gaze here on Joy 94.9, the show where we gaze into the world of consumer electronics, gadgets, and technology. My name is Mark, and with me in the studio today is Michael. Hello. Hello there. Are you, are you sorted? I, I, I'm well sorted. <laughs> and uh, we've done a bit of musical chairs this, uh, this fine Saturday afternoon, and Rainer, of course, is... Uh, Driving the bus. I'm pressing the buttons. I'm <laughs> pressing the buttons. Are you uploading Java though? That's. I'm question. not uploading any Java. Thank you, Shannon. Uh, oh. <laughs> What's on today? Today's show will kick off with um, a roundup of the latest in tech news, including uh, Kiwi ISPs that uh, have started allowing customers to to avoid geoblocks. Yes. It's like a service that they're providing. It's, it's an interesting one. Um, how Australian banks are set to lose up to 30% of their revenue from com- um, competition uh, uh, payment systems. Mm, disruption, disruption, disruption. <laughs> Set phases to stun. I've got some interesting <laughs> stuff about Bitcoin in that regard as well. But, ooh, um, ooh, mm, ooh. Mm. Now, um, some 3D printing advancements. We're actually going to cover this this time. It's not just at the, at the end of the show. It's, it's, you know, <laughs> it's, it's not on the drop-off list, is it? <laughs> So, 3D printing, which actually some really cool stuff uh, to be talking about, um, in particular around how to 3D print stuff for your own body. Yes. Ooh. Very good stuff. Mobile phone towers are taking a dump. What? What? <laughs> Uh, no, shouldn't laugh so hard, but um, no. So uh, police are actually able to uh, uh, take uh, get access to information, data dumps from from phone towers around Australia without a warrant, right? Without any judicial oversight whatsoever, just by asking nicely. Just by yeah. asking nicely. Mm. Gee whiz. Uh, and um, we ta- we covered this last week, didn't we? Uh, Facebook's experimentation. Yes. Uh, the revelations of 700,000-odd users being used as a, a means to, you know, determine whether they could make people feel happy or sad. Mm, but it turns out that it's not the only time that they've done those sorts of experiments, mm, no. isn't it? In fact, it might be very, very common indeed. I'm going to talk about that later. Yes. Um, Russia. Russia. Oh. Oh. What's what's not to like? What are they hating Wait. on this time? I don't know. We'll talk <laughs> about them. They're, they're hating on social networks. <laughs> yeah. And, oh, the TSA, uh, the transport, what are they? Something, something, Transports. something. <laughs> Security authority? <laughs> yes, probably. Over in the US. Those nice people that give you a friendly Pat security down. hug whenever you go there. <laughs> 
I said I wanted a security hug. Oh, we could <laughs> say something about bear hugs and... No, let's not. They give me the security x-ray, I think. <laughs> yeah, stand stand on this spot and put your hands up in the air mm. oh, while we that, take a sneak peek. Is that the special photo that you mm, see under your pants? That's the one. Yeah, yeah. Those guys, well, they've got some other interesting things they want to do with uh, technology, your technology in particular. Yes. Next time you may be travelling yeah, through there. Quite if important. If you haven't charged it, then... Yeah, you may not be able to bring it. You may lose it. Um, so yeah, that's that's the lineup for it's a pretty full on lineup today. I think. Hopefully, we can uh, we can get through it all. Um, a very special hello to uh, Johnny as well. Johnny from, from LA. Yes. From no less than Los Angeles. Thank you very much for listening, Johnny. I think uh, you you sent you gave us a nice little message on the Facebook page. Yes. Made the point that uh, we only have ninety seven likes. That's right. So We're only three away from triple digits. Yes. So, yeah. Come on, people. We should like be. us. Yes. We, we just need three more. Three more. Mm. Um, so feel free to like us on Facebook. Now, as well as liking us, you can also get in touch with us on the show. Yes, you can. By sending an email to onair at joy.org.au. And it comes right here to the studio. Yes. Which is pretty great. You can also send us an SMS 0427 JOY949. Or leave a message with Mushin on 1300 JOY949. So, lots of different ways to get in touch. And, of mm-hmm. course, there's the Twitters. T-E-C-H-N-O-G-A-Z-E. That's the one. Do love the Twitters. Yes. At Technogaze. We do like that. Hey, you know what else is new, mm-hmm. by the way, mm-hmm. is that if you will be listening for the rest of the afternoon, and I certainly hope that you will be. New uh, program grid. New program grid with a really fantastic new program for Gamer Geeks Everywhere. Mm-hmm. Critical hit today at three. Three o'clock. With the lovely Lukey Bear. The Saturday afternoon lineup here on Joy is kind of awesome, actually. If like, we do say so ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it, it kicks off with us, of course, and then it goes on to a food show. Yeah, food's cool. We need food's food. Food's all right. Yeah. Food's always good. Yeah. Then what happens? I think Fender we've got Bender's back, isn't Fender it? Bender Bender. Love a bit of Fender Bender. We do like the, the boys on Fender. Bender. Yes. <laughs> and then it, it continues on. I mean, there's you know there's music shows after, after the gaming show, but gamers, they should be well represented here mm. on uh, Joy. That's right. And they will be. And here's another bit of joy news is that there's a new Android app. Oh, wow. That's right. And you guys can't see it because it's for Android only. Right, that's right. (laughs) But I'm dead curious to see what it's like, so I'm going to ask you after the show if I can have a little The interface is nice. It's very crisp. Mm -hmm. And you can have a look at the program grid and have a a look and see what the next show that's following. Good. To the one that you're listening on. Send an email. SMS. Get on Facebook from it. It's very, very good. Awesome. Yes. Indeed. So, so you if you haven't downloaded it, it, you should download it to your Android phone. Too right. Hmm. Now, on to the business of the day. Yes. New Zealand. New Zealand. Yes. I, I we could try and do this entirely in a New Zealand accent, but I think you that's kind try. of... I don't think it's a good idea. We could ask New Zealand Shannon back. Yes. We could. Yes, we could. Oh, my God. That's um. You should be ashamed. We do love our friends over the Tasman. <laughs> And uh, their ISP, uh, one of their ISPs, Slingshot, has added an option uh, called Global Mode to their lineup. That means that there is uh, a way to get around all those dodgy little jail blocks that stop you from using cool stuff like Hulu and Netflix. Yeah, wow. and BBC and yes. Channel 4 in the UK. It's pretty good because, you know, before doing this, you'd have to install your own VPN solution. 
onto your PC and run that up. Mm. Uh, but now they uh, offer it as a service, and also via VPN technology, they'll seamlessly transfer your traffic through a local host in the appropriate country. So set and forget. Yes. Um, is that 100% legal? Well, no, and their little get-out-of-jail card is that they say this is only for customers who happen to have international visitors. Right, <laughs> right, but right. you can have international visitors at any time, so I would probably just switch it on just to be sure. Yeah, yes. yeah. just, to, just yeah. to make sure it works. That's right. It's do like testing guys, your backup. Yeah. Do you guys know off the top of your head, though, because um, I know that there's there's been talk here that geo-blocking is, is a bit shonks and circumventing geo-blocking here in Australia is not as illegal as people would have you believe. Oh. But what's the deal in New Zealand? Does anyone know? I would have thought they're, they're pretty closely aligned to, to Australia in there. Copyright. They're pretty agreements. chill. Mm. Yeah. They're pretty chill. Those Kiwis. Uh, chill, chill. Yeah. chill. So I don't know whether geo blocking in itself is illegal, but it does, you know, violate terms of services of the service that you're trying to use. Yes. That so is. maybe you know directing your traffic out into the US, or the UK is fine, but you shouldn't be trying to do it just to get around, you know, services like Netflix and so on. Mm. Indeed. Mm. Well, we should probably um, take a quick breather. Yes. And uh, be back with more. This is Technogaze here on Joy 94.9. We'll cover some more tech news in just a few moments. Technogaze. Technogaze here on Joy 94.9. We do love, uh, we do have a bit of an inner diva in, in all of us, don't we? <laughs> we do. <laughs> or an inner, uh, an inner um, impression doer. What do you call them? A mimic, I suppose, because we have just received a text from somebody asking, can Mark do a Scottish or Siri accent? (laughs) Scottish or Siri? What's a Siri accent? I don't know what you're talking about, Mark. Wait, wait. What was his name? Sorry. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm sorry, Dave. Uh, I'm sorry, Dave. That was from an anonymous texter. So if you have, uh, indeed, any any thoughts about (laughs) Mark's impressions. Scottish. Scottish is an interesting one because... um, I did have a run-in with a Scottish person last night, but that's a whole different discussion. Uh, <laughs> Mainly around, I think we were both a bit too um, inebriated and <laughs> we, we couldn't understand each other. Deary me. Yes. Now, digital disruption. In the banking sector. That's right. So, uh, the banking sector obviously is a big pile of cash for our Australian banks, isn't it? For four of them in particular. The big four ones, that's right. Mm. But... Macquarie Banking, uh, their researchers have identified that Australian banks are likely to lose 30% of their revenue stream from new digital competitors. Competitors. Yeah, and that's from places like PayPal and Square, who aren't in Australia as yet, but are probably looking to uh, make an entry into the market. Yeah, I mean, we can use them in in Australia, but they're not so, like, it's not sort of embedded in in, in our... banking system mm. so much. It's more around being able to uh, use, use them for international uh, companies. Yes. Now, PayPal, I've noticed, is around more and more. My local coffee shop allows me to pay for my coffee with PayPal. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, oh. I saw that the other day at a, uh, at a restaurant as well. Mm. I looked at it and I was like, oh, yeah, but I only spent five bucks and I've got that in my pocket. But, I mean, if you're, if you're out of cash and, you know, you don't really want to have to worry about an FPOS charge or whatever. Mm. Yes. Actually, it's interesting this comes up because our friend Cade, who has previously been on the show, has uh, been a guest presenter. Mm. He's um, he's moved into an area of uh, working in the Bitcoin industry, in fact, here in Australia. Oh, okay. And he did a very... uh, He's not a miner, is he? uh, No. A Bitcoin miner. Oh, (laughs) sorry. (laughs) 
<laughs> Possibly, I don't know. Coiling um, away down the mines, picking away at those rocks to extract those bitcoins. He did a very good interview on Triple R earlier in the week on on one of our um, uh, a similar show to ours on Triple R. Bite into it, of course, oh. uh, and uh, it, it talked about the disruption that Bitcoin could mm. have and the you know the difference between regulation and not regulation of, of such a system as well and you know whether governments should get involved and, and that sort of thing. It's actually a very very interesting Whether, uh, whether governments should get involved or governments will get involved because <laughs> any government's going to be involved in anything to do with money. Yeah, I think, I think sooner or later. for that, uh, for, mm. for Bitcoin in particular, it's, it's very early stages and, um, and perhaps it's being defined here in Australia what, what should and shouldn't happen. So it's really about you know getting that discussion out there, uh, having people understand it. And, and Kate himself was quite uh, pro-regulation of, of the likes of Bitcoin. Right, okay. Um, uh, you know, it needs to be regulated just like anything. Yeah. Um, just, you know, how far you go and how restrictive you make it is, is uh, the question that needs to be answered. Mm, it seems really inevitable, even though the Bitcoin community is all very, oh, I don't want regulation, don't want this, don't want that. Um, but, I mean, really, it just doesn't seem at all uh, likely that anyone will take avoided. it seriously until it is actually... Well, that's right. If, if you want it to be used in, in, a, in a mass way by a lot of people, then it's obviously going to have to come under some sort of regulation mm. uh, Governance, yeah, and we're seeing a, a certain amount of um, innovation in the banking industry here in Australia today, right? Like you, we've now got these apps that allow you to send money to and from each other via SMS, mm-hmm. um, which and that cashless or cardless cash thing now as well. Yes. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah, and and that really shows the Commonwealth Bank is probably one of the leading of the of the four banks out there in terms of their technology, mm. um, followed a little bit behind by NAB, but ANZ and Westpac are the laggers. Mm. And the same Macquarie report expected that um, those banks are expected to wipe between 2 to 3% uh, percentage of, its, of their bottom line in the investment they're going to have to make in the future in technology, which is literally hundreds of millions of dollars to catch up to uh, Commonwealth Bank and the NAB. Mm. Mm. My first thought is, wow, I should get into I, uh, the IT banking. sector of banking <laughs> <laughs> right now. This sounds like a lot of money. Are you, are you a Hogan developer? No. <laughs> I don't know if they still use Hogan. They must still use Hogan. What's Hogan? Hogan used to be a, a banking app that everybody was using. And it's. I think it's one of these entrenched systems that every bank probably has Hogan somewhere still today. That is interesting. Hmm. You know, the oldest bit of bank technology I can remember, my dad brought this home one day and it was a... Um, so when phone banking first came out and you needed a touch-tone phone, but not oh, yes. everybody in Australia had one. So this was actually a little thing that you would clip onto the oh, bottom the like an one. acoustic yes. coupler so that you could press the touch-tone things to mm-hmm. do your phone banking. Mm. I thought it was the coolest because you could press buttons and it went beep-boop. Yeah, and they, I think, were illegal in America because people used them to hack into telephone systems to get free phone calls at one really? stage. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Goodness, those hackers. Yes. Moving on. Moving on. Hmm, 3D printing. Oh. We're not going to talk about 3D printing, are we? We, we need, are Michael's favourite topic. We need that Windows 3.1 ta-da sound. Hey, I have some apl- polite applause here. Yeah. Uh, yes, <laughs> 3D printing. Oh, We've, boy. It's made it to the, uh, to, the, to the rundown. Now, I honestly never thought that 3D printing would get better than pizza and chocolate. Mm. Right, it's seen, pretty hard to beat pizza and chocolate. But I think blood vessels probably do trump pizza and chocolate. <laughs> well, I wouldn't have them for dinner, but that is pretty exciting nonetheless. <laughs> oh, that reminds me of a show that I shouldn't talk about. Okay. Um, yes. Sci- <laughs> what? <laughs> we'll okay. just keep on going. Um, whoosh, right over someone's head. I scientists think. have successfully print, bioprinted blood vessels. Right. And this is a first step into 
basically being able to print whole organs. Sure. So, and you would use these blood vessels if you wanted to do like an actual vessel replacement as part of a that's right, or, operation, right? or if you were, let's say, growing a liver or a kidney or something like that, and you'd have to obviously start with some sort of uh, structure to carry the blood through that organ. Yes. Then that's that's part of it. So you know, the idea is that one day you'll be able to come into hospital, perhaps for a kidney replacement, and there'll be a little printer by the operating theatre printing out your new kidney for you. Wow. Do you reckon they'd let you watch? <laughs> I don't know if you'd want to watch. Well, I mean, I if, would. I'd like to see it. Being I'd be done. mad keen if I was getting a new organ. I'd want to see what it looked like. Yes, true. Yes. Sorry, I don't like that one. It, it doesn't. It looks too left-centered or something. Oh, it'll it's clash a, with what I'm wearing. <laughs> Come it's not, on, it's not the right shade of pink. Um, right. So, which is good because it means that you know people won't have to rely on donated organs perhaps in the future. Mm. Sure. And uh, there'll be less issues in terms of rejection. Because this has been sort of the, the one of the, the big things of 3D printing is to be able to do stuff that's mm. really, like it's great to be able to create little plastic models, but Yeah, actually, and there have been th- synthetic uh, yeah. blood vessels and other things made as well. Yeah. But to, yeah, this To be is, able to replace human parts is pretty, yes, yeah. pretty massive on, the, on the, what yeah. we could do with this technology thing. So, mm. you know, hey, bring it on. We're going to be half bionic by the by the turn of the next century, I'm sure. You know, that does remind me of, of another story that we looked at this week, mm-hmm. um, which is the one about the BMW factory workers. Now, this isn't quite like an organ, oh, uh, yes. but they've been getting 3D printed super thumbs. So these, these auto workers use their hands a lot to, um, to do certain repetitive yep. uh, motions mm-hmm. that, that mean that they have to bend their thumbs a bit. Yes. Or, sorry, they need to extend their thumbs and keep them rigid. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you can imagine that would be pretty sore. Uh, but they've got these uh, customised thumb stalls that are 3D printed just for their thumb to help them keep their thumbs straight and, which, which and is pretty, keeping comfy. Yeah, which is pretty good because I, I think that the individual's uh, thumb is scanned beforehand and then the, the custom thumb is made. Right, so it's like a huge thimble basically. It's a super thimble for all, that, for all the sewers out there. That's no, pretty no amazing. thimble is. Yeah. So um, that's kind of cool, I guess, if you do a lot of repetitive work. Mm. Um, you might find yourself doing things like that. And uh, I guess if you do a lot of other sort of repetitive things that maybe aren't work, so if you, um, say, for example, you play tennis or whatever, there might be some applications where you can um, custom print a brace that is exactly the right size and shape for yep. your wrist so that mm-hmm. you can practice your backhand without you know, getting a sore elbow, tennis mm. elbow. It certainly makes customizations a whole lot easier. Sure does. That you don't necessarily have to make a mould and then... Pour something in. I want to customise my heart, please. That'd oh. be cool. Oh. I, I would like a bigger heart, please. Uh, <laughs> is this turning this into a Gautier song? <laughs> no, I was thinking this is turning into The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> All right, yes. <laughs> if I only had a brain, yes. That is, that is actually the correct song to sing out of that one, out of the whole Aww. option list. Aww. Now, the US Postal Service also sees a future in 3D printing. They sure do. Because what they're planning on doing is to rent out some excess space that they've got all around the country in the US so that companies can set up basically 3D print shops mm-hmm. and instead of um, you know having something delivered all the way from the manufacturer, it could be printed reasonably locally and then the US, pass- US Postal Service can deliver it to the last mile to the customer. Mm. That's pretty clever. Yeah. Interesting idea of last mile, really. Isn't yeah, it's it? a different it's use like, of last mile. <laughs> it's like, we've got the NVN version and last mile is actually getting the bits there. But actually, when it's in the physical world, it kind of yeah. makes sense too. And this is not the first time that the idea of printing centrally has been um, raised 
because you know there are other um, thoughts of having these print shops where you can have something printed, go down there and pick it up. But obviously, this way you don't need to go down there and pick it up. It can come to you. Mm. That is pretty cool. Yeah. Although, again, I think while it's still a, uh, a bit of a novelty, I would totally just go to the post office and you know, press my nose to the glass going, <laughs> they're printing my table. There's my heart being printed. Oh. <laughs> Who's going to put it in? <laughs> oh, the mechanic down the road. I think. <laughs> isn't isn't there one of the Indiana Jones in reverse? Uh, in one of the Indiana Jones movies, has a guy that is good with the heart. Oh, I'm trying to. I'm not, a, I'm not an Indiana Jones fan. Oh, I've seen bits of them. Well, this is a pretty gross bit. Yes. Right. Um, 3D printing. This is this is somewhat less. So 3D printing to revoli- revolutionise battlefield logistics, says Army Insider. Mm. Says the heading. Yes. Um. An Australian army officer, no less. Um, Yes. Talking unofficially. Right. Mm. Off the record. 90% of equipment could be created by 3D printing. Wow. 90%? Well, well, I think of replacement equipment rather than of all equipment. Right. So rather than taking into battle all of these spare parts, you could take a a few 3D printers with you. A big ream of plastic. Plastic and metal. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's right. And there'll be 3D battalion printers or... (laughs) <laughs> dedicated printer battalions. I guess the logistics of um, the armed forces is is pretty pretty heavy. Like to actually get stuff out into battlefields and so forth is is a pretty massive thing. Sure, but where does that matter come from? If you're going to print it, right? You've either got you know a bunch of things made out of plastic, or you've got a bunch of plastic to make things out of. Yeah, right. Right, or metal yeah. or something. I, I, I suppose it makes the the actual groups of people, um, as opposed to the printer battalion, uh, the printer platoons, a bit more, mm. a bit more mobile. If you're not carrying so much staff, perhaps it's more for just in time as well. So I'd, I'd imagine you know if it was just a whole bunch of metal and plastic, they could produce whatever they needed at the time yeah. to, to without waiting to for two or three days for something to come in, yeah. Where, or, or having to to actually carry so much more stuff mm. with them because they need replacement bits. That's right. Yeah, but it's yeah, it's I mean, Hmm. battlefield stuff. I probably don't know much about it. I'm not a massive expert on it, but Mm. it'll be interesting to see. I mean, the the military is such a a place for um, technological advancement anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I would expect to see that if they can do that, then there'll be even more uh, innovation coming to us consumers in the near future. Yes, he's hoping. Mm. It's uh, special mention as well goes to Jason. Our friend Jason, who's on the Twitters right now, he's oh, madly tweeting us. Getting amongst it. <laughs> getting amongst it on the Twitters. What's he got to say for himself? Oh, there's a few little uh, things here and there. What's the last one? Uh, something about some chicken. <laughs> some chicken? Referring to the uh, the organ printing idea and, uh, yeah, we don't want that one. We, want, we don't want the last chicken in the shop type thing. <laughs> now, he did also post a picture of himself uh, listening to Techno Gaze using, I guess, some sort of app and his new smartwatch, which I think is pretty special. That is the first time I've ever seen that happen. In fact, I didn't even know you could use that for listening to audio. That's pretty cool. Awesome. Thanks, Jason. His wrist is talking to him. His wrist is talking. We are talking to him through his wrist. <laughs> Hi. Hello, Dick Tracy. <laughs> you are listening to Techno Gaze here on Joy 94.9. We'll be back with more in a few moments. Techno Gaze. Joy.org.au. That's right, joy.org.au. Joy 94.9. Joy everywhere. Yes. Is it the new website still? 
I don't know. It's always kept up to date, though. All it of is. the all oh. of the shows that get podcasted get a little blog post and stuff like that. And yeah. um, and our music director puts posts up about the music that mm-hmm. we play in, in daytimes and stuff. It's pretty cool. Always new content. All new, all the time, mm. always. Mm. Yes, joy.org.au is where you find that. Yep. Um, but potentially uh, not if you're in Russia because they hate the internet. <laughs> they hate people in general, especially us gay people. Um, of course, that is in reference to a new, a new law. law. Yes. So the law requires that internet companies store Russian citizens' personal data inside the country, and that's been passed by the Russians by Russia's lower house of parliament. Right. So, if I had a website and I was collecting, say, people's usernames and passwords and stuff, like a forum, and someone from Russia signed up, I would have to, I don't know what, find another data store in Russia to keep it in? Yes. So if you're Facebook and you have users that want to log on and sort of say, this is my email address and perhaps here's my phone number, from 2016 when, um, you know, after it's ratified by the upper house, because it's going to come into effect September 2016, this data is going to have to be stored on Russian soil. Mm. Right. On Russian servers. And I suppose if you are a Facebook or similar, then um, that sort of thing is within reach for you. But again, if I have a website or something like that that just has forums, I'm probably just going to say, geez, that's a bit too hard. Well, I don't even know how Facebook is going to segregate the data. If they decide to open up a data centre in Russia, then you have to say these users have their personal details stored here and nowhere else. Well, that's that's a very good question. Like, does it does it impose that technological component of it that... You know, you're only allowed to store data locally, or do you have to just be able to store a copy of the data? Because sites like uh, Facebook, they've got massive content mm. um, networks that, that enable you know transfer of data for backup and backup and so forth. Yeah, for performance and, so, and for performance, yeah. absolutely. So you might be working with uh, a local um, Facebook server, but in actual fact, it's it's um, syncing across to many others as well. What does that mean for? I, I think the response from uh, Russian MP Vadim Dengin probably will answer it. Where he said most Russians don't want their data to leave Russia for the United States, where it can be hacked and given to criminals. Oh, because there are no hackers in Russia and there are certainly no spammers or scammers either. Absolutely not. None. None at all. So um, sounds legit. Um, this obviously is on the heels of a few other changes that they've made to their laws to uh, put a bit bit of a finger up to the internet. So yeah. And also to restrict free speech within the country. Yes. So really what they're effectively doing, I think, is locking out the likes of Facebook. Because, um, you know, that there will be the Russian equivalent of Facebook the same way that there's the Chinese equivalent of Facebook in China. Well, there's already a thing called V-Contact, and I'm not sure if I would pronounce it the way a Russian user would pronounce it, but V-Contact is, is their big thing right. that's okay, been yeah. there for their some social time. media application. Yeah, already already mm. well-established and very popular. So, Isn't it funny how, we're, how the internet's, you know, it was originally designed to be very um, fault-tolerant? And, um, you know, you could run a website anywhere. Now that we've got, like, the, the really the centre of information, the centre of, of control or, or, or um, I don't know how you'd put it, but um, mm. it's all turning into the Facebooks, the Googles, the big, you know, the masthead yep. um, company names mm. who are running the sites. So it's not so much about, about the internet anymore. It's actually about the websites that we use now. Yes, and they are becoming the the place where you know it, it's you know it's the last frontier. I guess it's the way. Like if if I'm a Russian, I'm now going to use this V Contact mm. site. If I'm not yeah. Russian, and I'm, if I'm not Chinese, and I'm probably and, and Indian as well, 
um, I'm going to use Facebook. But each jurisdiction is starting to get their own services, their own, this is what the internet provides you as a mm. general sort of service. These are the sites that you use in this jurisdiction. Mm. Isn't it an interesting kind of change to the way that we're, you know... Are we going back to old-fashioned territorial, hmm. you know, lump everything together and do it, do it here? Well, it's interesting when people in, uh, in government, they talk about wanting to provide services online and they're like, yeah, we need to go where the users are. You know, we hmm. should have a presence on Facebook, we should have a presence on Twitter. And if you're a government, right, and you want to, I don't know, promote... Uh, a particular service that you prefer over other ones and you kind of have to not lock people in, but you know what I mean? Hmm. Um, well, in this case, force them in. Yeah, and you're kind of tying your, your um, horse to a cart that uh, that may or may not even... I mean, we all saw what happened to MySpace, right? Like, you remember when MySpace yes. was the biggest mm. of deals and I can't remember, and I wasn't even a kid, like, with MySpace, you know, I was an adult, we are all adults, I mm. think, mm. Um you certainly were, Michael. But, um, to go, oh, yeah, MySpace, it's the oh. next big deal. I mean, Rupert Murdoch bought it, you know, and then Justin Timberlake bought it. <laughs> it's like, I, I, but, I mean, when Rupert Murdoch bought it, like, you could see that it was obviously someone thought it was actually serious. Yeah. But yeah. Now what? It, Who's got a MySpace now? Well, that was a bit of a mistake by Rupert Murdoch. Right, but Not that he ever does anything Could you have predicted wrong. it, though? Um, boop. I, I mean, don't know. What, if, what if the end is nigh for Facebook sooner or later and we're just not <laughs> well, sure why? That's a good question, isn't it? I, and this is my, I, I guess my um, take on that is that um, there's a type of service that we need and it's a Facebook-like service and it's going to always um, need to be there for the likes of internet users. So yeah. whether it's going to be Facebook, I think they're pretty strong enough to be able to just continue on now. They've kind of got that. That you know, part of the rhetoric around Google Plus was all like, you know, oh, it's Google Plus, it's not that horrible. Facebook, rah rah rah. Yeah. Well, it hasn't really yeah. taken off that way, but but Facebook 2017, that's when it starts its decline. You 2017. reckon 2017? 2017. We, um, in fact, we had an article on the show a few we did. months ago we had that story. Where, where it was looking at the popularity of Facebook mimicked like a virus, yeah, in terms of its growth, and yeah. it was going to start dying out, I think, about 2017, right? Oh, geez, so after it had turned us all into zombies. <laughs> That's odd. <laughs> hey, yes. so let's talk about big data again, though, and mm. people's personal data. Mm. Mobile phone towers. Yes. <laughs> contain a lot of information about all the calls and texts and stuff like that that you make. Um, because they've got, obviously, call logs and you know data stored there and so on. Exactly. Yep. That's, that's how the phone companies mm. know how much to charge you at the end of the month. Um, and in Australia, the, uh, the police are supposed to have a warrant to obtain data on phone calls, but do they really? Well, but this is but they're obtaining what data dumps? Well, they're they're obtaining data dumps of metadata. Oh, it's only metadata. It's only metadata. It's not oh. Old, oh, it's oh. only metadata. So we're not you know the contents of your conversation is not being monitored. Yes. But yes. by the way, you did talk to that criminal that we know of over there, and and you did you and you did move from these three t- through these three towers, and you in therefore the we know approximately where you were located or your phone was located. Oh, yes. you were on the phone with a particular medical clinic for eighteen minutes, but we don't mm. know what the call was about. No, yeah, but it was that medical clinic, right? Not yeah. the other one. Yeah. Mm. So, um, yeah, there's there's no judicial oversight in these this ability for the police to um, obtain this information. So what do they do? They just ask nicely. Yeah, and it's carte blanche as well. So it's like you just they just say, okay, give me x number of hours between x and y uh, of of all the data that 
that happened on these three or four or ten right, cell so towers. The, so the police might be wanting some information about me, for instance. Mm. So they'll get the data dump of the tower, but they'll get collect everybody else who happened to have been using the tower in the last few hours. But yes. what do you think they're going to do? So once they find your calls and go, mm, that's nice, we'll copy those down, um, what are they going to do with everybody else's data? Well, well, the thing is, nobody knows. We don't know because they don't need a warrant and there's no control over it. That's right. Woo-hoo. Putting my database administrator's hat on, though, right? As, as one does every now and then. Mm. If I just had disparate bits of information from all sorts of different cell towers all over the place, to be able to manage that into something aggregatable, aggregatable, is that a good word? To be able to turn that into, you know, like, you sure, to, because the argument is, okay, what are they doing with the data? Are they, you know, collecting it in some massive form that, that is mm. um, uh, then reusable yep. in alternative ways? Um it's still incomplete information, right? It's incomplete, but it gives you a certain picture about an individual or a group of individuals. Mm. And it's probably not dissimilar to New South Wales Police, where their police cars, as they drive along, automatically take photos of number plates yes. of cars and basically store that. So they know, you know, by collating all of the traffic from the different police cars, not where everybody is at any point in time, but a large number of people where their vehicles were at a certain point in time. And you could recreate it if you wanted to by saying okay this number plate where was it on this date and did we see it Mm. and where else did it appear and the statistics aspect of that is just from an experimentation point of view to turn that into oh this is this car was here 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 and here at this point in time Mm. our sample size is this extrapolate that to a bigger size and suddenly you've got some pretty interesting information whether that's for good or evil that Mm. might actually just be a, a nice sort of research project which takes us on to the Facebook. Nice segue. Did you like it? Did you like it? We talked last week about uh, Facebook doing some user research into, I think, almost 700,000 users mm. uh, to see if they could affect your mood by posting or not posting, but by uh, giving preference to grumpy things or nice things on your feed. Because, mm. of and course, on your feed, you don't get every single status update that ever comes through, right? No, that's right. right. You, Facebook does do some decision uh, process on on which ones come up and which ones don't, especially if you configure your news feed to say just the um, you know the top stories. Yeah. Now people were pretty upset about this study, um, including I mean we had a good old good old yarn about it last week, and I think we all agreed that it was um, a little bit creepy and stuff. Um, but it turns out that uh, this team at Facebook, um, it's not the first time they've done those experiments, and the more people have gone, hey, what what, mm. uh, the more of these stories have come out this week, and there are some amazing ones. They don't have really a lot of supervision or corporate oversight, it turns out as well. Um, it sounds to me that it's just a massive data store that, that there are a whole bunch of researchers or even just um, developers or, well, or whoever if can you, gain access to and manipulate as they see fit. Yeah. Sounds like a wonderful well, place to play in, doesn't it? All this data. Mm. Yeah. Um, there was a... Um, so, for one example, there was a, an issue where a whole bunch of users were told that they were going to be locked out of the system because they weren't using their real names. And they weren't really going to be locked out of the system. It was just a, a study to see how they would react to that sort of news. Mm-hmm. There was never any danger of that. Um, there is a, uh, a fellow named Andrew Levener who was a, uh, a scientist at Facebook for a period of time there who said that anyone on that team was just running tests like that all the time. Yep. You know, with very little oversight. And it's, again, sort of makes you wonder what's the go with all these ethics i actually like no consent on on being part of a study yeah is is ethically 
it's it's possible in some cases. And I don't even get any actual benefit myself from this. I mean, where's the option to turn my feed into a happy feed or a sad feed? Yes. You know? I would like that. <laughs> mm. Make I me like, happy today, Facebook, please. You know, I've got a plug-in. It's really cool. It's called Rather. And what it does is it, it uses keywords and, uh, and some sort of structural things to actually replace stuff like, you know, upworthy headlines. Oh. Blah, blah, you'll never believe what happened next with oh. pictures of cupcakes. Oh. oh, it makes my day. This is the... Um, the same one as the uh, Tony Abbott photos that get replaced with kittens or Stop something. Stop Tony right? Meow. That's one of the greatest things, <laughs> one of the greatest benefits to Australian society ever, I must say. <laughs> you are listening to Technogaze, where we try to benefit Australian society as best we can. We'll be back with more in just a few moments. Technogaze. This is Technogaze on Joy 94.9. Uh, we're talking tech. We sure are. And we're talking tourism. Yes, the TSA. TSA. Oh, bless them. There's a little alert alert going on at the moment Mm. that says that some of the bad guys might put some explosives in electrical equipment. Right. And And if your phone isn't switched on or switchable on or you can't angry birds your way through a uh, a level of that. Then you may not be allowed to take it on board Uh. and we will confiscate it. Wait, so if I can't turn my phone on, if I've left the battery mm-hmm. um, to, to die because I'm just taking it on a flight and I don't actually yep. need it to uh, be charged because I don't make phone calls. Um, um, amazing. What? Yes. Yep. What? Really now, paranoid. Mm, now, I don't know if you remember a while ago, but I remember a few years back there used to be a thing you had to turn your laptop on when you went through security oh, just to yes. show that it powered up. Yes. Which, in my mind, was absolutely ridiculous because in those days the, you had big removable batteries and often the laptops had more than one battery. So you could pull out one battery pack and put something in there and how would they know? Mm. Yeah, it's... Uh, you could also, if you're a really smart person wanting to get by these rules, you could figure out a way to make it look like it yes. turned on and uh, still store mm. the stuff that needs to be stored to, to turn it into something dangerous. Yes. Well, how closely are they looking at I mean, you, you carry your laptop in a case, right? I do. Mm, yeah. How closely are they looking at, say, I don't know, the cases or any of those other things? Mm. I guess or if you put it through an x-ray, though, there's often that's they look for things mm. through inside it that, that right, might be... Right, so I'm just wondering whether the metal shielding around your phone may prevent them from being able to look inside it too well. Now, I like doing a little bit of a sneaky-peaky at uh, when I fly mm. um, at what my bag and stuff looks like. I love like. all the wires. I know, I love all that <laughs> stuff, but I'm pretty sure that, I mean, I've got a, I've got a metal-cased laptop. Yep. Um, I'm pretty sure they can still see that's everything that's in there. Okay. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not an X-ray expert, but... Um, yeah. <laughs> so if you're flying, especially to the US, make sure that um, your devices uh, can be turned on. Mm-hmm. That would be pretty good. Mm. Um, yeah. I should... I, I just want to mention... Um, Hello to our, I, I, what I would say is our guest tweeter. Can we do this now? We are going to do this. Um, Hello, Jason. Because, <laughs> you know, programs like uh, 7.30 Report or, or whatever, the, the, the late line, they often have um, guest tweeters on their yes. hashtag. Um, he has made the point, I think the, the most recent tweet he's made, if you're following us on Technogaze, at Technogaze on, on Twitter, you'll see this for yourself, but... Um, He's made the point that, you know, hey, he's not he's not so concerned about Facebook playing with our uh, emotions when mm. Q- the Q&A hashtag does that quite happily <laughs> every week. I tune out 
We have a, actually we do have a couple of great shows at that time as well on Joy, and uh, and I must say when I feel like listening to something controversial, um, I don't Joy's necessarily probably a better place. I I I just don't necessarily look at my TV. That's right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now speaking speaking of those guys, um, <laughs> yes, Jason, Jim you from, are the official guest tweeter. Jim from <laughs> Jim from Alfington, uh, who can be heard on a Monday evening here on Joy, uh, says that uh, it sounds a bit real scratchy. So I'm just going to apologise, listeners, if it does sound a bit scratchy in here. Oh, oh. Hmm. sorry. I'll, I'll eat more soothers. <laughs> <laughs> Eat more. <laughs> Chew on more soothers. Now, um, birth control. Birth um, control. The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, in an effort to improve contraception access in developing countries, is backing a project that will embed slow-release birth control uh, hormones into a woman's bloodstream. Now, that itself is not the new thing. No. Because we've had things like that uh, available to women for some time. Mm. But... This one's special. Why? Because not only does it last for 16 years, which is heaps long, but if you would like to deactivate it, you don't need to go and visit the doctor and have it removed or anything like that. You can just use a uh, special little remote control Mm. that you hold against your skin to deactivate the chip that releases the hormones. That's fantastic. Isn't that amazing? Which is good when you consider 16 years is a very long time and, you know, there are times when women may wish to get pregnant, so it's a very easy way to allow that to happen. Mm, gives gives absolute control to mm. to the uh, to the person to, to the woman who is bearing the child. Yeah. That's right. And and the reason by uh, having the remote control touch the skin is so that you know it it has to be done deliberately and it can't be done accidentally mm. to turn off the uh, the contraceptive device. So you can't NFC that thing. That's just right. By walking next to it. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's yes. a relief. <laughs> Um, that's pretty amazing. Look, um, birth control in, in developing countries is is a massive health issue. You know, mm. we're pretty lucky here in the West where if you need to be able to access birth control or if you want to be able to get a hold of condoms or anything like that, that, you know, we, we live in a society where that's pretty much okay. Yep. Um, not everybody has that sort of access. So this looks like it would be pretty easy, relatively low cost. Pretty amazing. Mm. Yes. Now... now. Other innovations, this is our innovation section of the show, Uh, household solar is uh, seeing a shift of electricity demand that is actually dropping it down um, and causing what are, are in inverted quotes, stranded assets. So you know, it's 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 often the, I think the uh, the phrase is gold plated infrastructure, or you know the the rolled Rolls Royce of electricity infrastructure that we we've been building in the last couple of years yep, to address the uh, growing demand. Mm. And last week we talked about Germany and how it was able to generate up to half of its electricity needs for a given day via solar. So it appears here in Australia that solar is actually um, reducing the demand of uh, the electricity grid and mm. allowing us to generate electricity more closely, like more locally, I should say. Right. Um, and in actual fact, the um, the ABC is now saying that uh, the adoption of solar energy in Australia is causing issues for energy suppliers who have invested in uh, what are called stranded assets of uh, poles and wires as a result. So a whole bunch of stuff has been built. But that's not going to be used. Not necessary. Hmm. Um, which is an interesting one because it's 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 all about peak demand, 
for electricity, right? So and being able to cope with that peak between six and eight o'clock, typically, mm. in a, during in, during the summer months in particular, is usually the the peak time for um, for electricity um, use. I guess people come home and they come home to a hot house, they turn on the air conditioners, start mm. cooking. Mm. And and all those things combined, mm. it's it's an interesting thing. So the way that the electricity companies have dealt with this is that they have turned it into, um, oh, we need to build more infrastructure to cope with that that two hour period on a per day basis to to um, you know ensure that it copes mm. because if it doesn't, then we get brownouts and blackouts and very unhappy yep. customers. Which makes sense. What if what if there was a, an ability for governments and uh, regulators to make it a possible, um, make it possible just via soft, um, I don't know what you'd call it, Dip- diplomatic work, <laughs> behaviour changes to actually yeah. get us to to not be so hungry, power hungry for that period of time. But I, but I don't see how you can change a mass population into, you know, saying, oh, yeah, I'll come home, but I'm not going to turn the air conditioner on. I think it's the problem is it's it, it almost needs to be a flick of the switch. There's, there's a perception that you need to flick the switch to, to make this happen or not happen. Mm. But in actual fact, you can chip away at it over time. So the idea would be that um, perhaps, you know, install an air conditioner that has a timer that can start a bit earlier and therefore, you know, not, not put us such a, a heavy load right then and there mm. on the um and by the way you know it might be more efficient to to start the start your air conditioner at a different time at different time intervals depending on on your behavior and and so forth well if nothing else um, i just love being able to go home and not have to wait half an hour for the house to cool down, cool down. that's true pretty really nice yeah. like people are going to do it out of convenience if nothing else yeah and I, solar panel solar solar energy is actually perfectly suited for the likes of air conditioners too right so mm. when it's hot have um, have it run off a solar panel. Yeah, if, if the sun is still out. But battery technology is getting cheaper. Yes. So the ability to um, store offline power that was captured during the day mm. to be used later on at night is going to become more and more affordable. Mm. And you think as well for the, the free market types, um, actually having um, uh, the user or the consumer um, have uh, infrastructure in their own houses that they maintain themselves mm. is not such a bad thing as well. You know mm. that, that it's actually you know the the costs are suddenly um, dispersed and more individually controlled than um, you know a, a, a massive asset uh, uh, company like yeah. uh, the electricity companies of today. And I, and I guess from a backup perspective, you can always use the grid if your local equipment fails and uh, pull some energy off the grid. Um, That's about it. Towards the end of the show, isn't it? It's um, about time to wrap it up. We've got a news bulletin coming up very shortly. Um, But last but not least, um, do you have to cut grass often, Michael? (laughs) No, I don't. But if I did, I might choose to use a robotic lawnmower. (laughs) Really? Yes. Well, you you know, you've got your robotic vacuum cleaners, so why not a robotic lawnmower? Ah, to go so, around and you know trim your hedges or whatever the case may be. So it's a new new product um, by a German company, I think. I don't know. Um, apparently, thirteen hundred British British pounds will buy you this device, but it'll that's mm. pretty exy for a lawnmower. Yes. Can't you just pay some local kid to push the old flymo around? I, I think that might be preferred. Now, exciting news, of course. Fender Bender returns later on today at 2 o'clock. And uh, the new gaming show, do stay tuned for that at 3 o'clock. Critical hit with um, Luke. Pumped. It's pretty 
exciting. Yes. Um, that's all we have time for today. If you missed any part of the show, you can uh, perhaps um, you might want to check out our podcast, Technogaze. What? Wait, what's the address? Joy.org.au slash technogaze. That's right. Um, coming up next, of course, is a, a Joy News Bulletin with Shannon and uh, we've got Cravings with Pete, the nudie foodie, right after that. Thank you for coming in, Michael. Thank you. And thank you for pushing buttons, Raina. You're very welcome. Catch you next week. Bye, Australia. Bye, the world. Technogaze on Joy 94.9. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.